0: Hey everybody, this is Phil Town.
1: And this is Danielle Town. And
0: we're coming to you with the Invested Podcast. I'm coming to you out of my library, which is <laughs> right here at home because our internet is intermittent at work today.
1: So oh, here we go. It's on one of those days and we've done so many podcasts that I think we've been through pretty much most technical problems. I won't say all for risk of jinxing our future. Yeah, exactly. But uh yeah, at this point we're just like, "Oh okay, no internet." All right. Well, we've got like seven ways to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> and way number f- and, 4 oh, is Oh, we didn't hit record? Oh, we we'll, we have a backup now because we've lost recordings before and that's the exactly. worst. Exactly. Yeah, um, and we're on Starlink. One of here. Us, uh well oh.
0: oh, we don't really have
1: a good answer to that one actually.
0: Let me plug Use Elon. Let me let me plug Elon Musk. Because sure, I mean, this genius—he could use out, some help right now. I get why. I mean, would people are attacking him or
1: something? I think people aren't too happy with what he's doing. Really? On Twitter, yeah. People. These are people. 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 Some people.
0: That's <laughs> like politicians always say: the American people hate you and love me. It's like, dude, no, they don't. About fifty percent <laughs> of them hate you, and about fifty percent of them like you.
1: Uh, That's probably uh, true
0: about Elon Musk, too. Uh, so what are
1: you going to plug?
0: Starlink, which is, you know, we're oh, out here, on a, we're out here on, a, on, a, on a horse farm and there's the nearest cable is a couple of miles away and they don't feel really compelled to bring it down here because there's not enough people down our road. Um, and we asked yeah. them what it would cost the, us to bring it down. They said uh-huh. only $85,000 would they'd be happy to dig a ditch. And you then know, Elon came along and threw satellites up in the sky and we've got 70 Mbps download and 20 up and it's plenty fast and it's amazing.
1: That's so. good. I mean, we do so well with all of our little rural work from homes, blah, 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 remote working, teleworking, et cetera. But as soon as there's a problem with the internet or you go somewhere where there is like that, there's some good term for it, it's like the poverty of internet or something like that, lack of internet. Mm. Um, you realize how suddenly cut off you are. And there's, it, once you've run through the like cell phone and the data uplink and all the methods, if they're not working, there's not much you can do. And I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. For how people who dis- don't have access, it is a huge problem.
0: Yeah, it's how dysfunctional our, our, our federal government is that no one is against bringing internet to rural areas in America. No one. And yet, Congress can't pass a bill to do it, actually, and get it done. And I think, and the reason is, is because nobody wants to give the other side a win, which is just,
1: Hmm.
0: I don't know, we've gotten to that place somehow in a democracy. yeah. Yeah. So let's
1: talk about something that's like, for me, the exact opposite of that kind of terrible politics, which is Warren Buffett and Charlie Munker. Warren and and Charlie,
0: politically, run a dictatorship. <laughs> That's right. A benign, a benign <laughs> dictatorship, a benevolent, dictatorship. A benevolent dictatorship <laughs> where all of the people under them are happy and have great autonomy <laughs> <laughs> and it all works somehow for the last 70 years or something.
1: Well, and they can leave anytime they want, so it's not a closed dictatorship. Right. Nobody does. And everybody wants to get in.
0: Right. Right. It's it's fascinating. So um, they just had their annual meeting, Danielle, as you well know.
1: They just Um, had their annual meeting and hmm. neither of us went. I still uh, just uh, I don't have the energy to do that trip and the whole weekend. So I'm terribly sad to miss it.
0: Guy Spear was asking about you. And yeah, he texted me.
1: He he's said, such a sweetie.
0: Yeah, he's really sweet, and he went. He to was it, missing me. And they did a value X in Berkshire, which I thought was a smart move. And that had I cool. known they were doing a value X at Berkshire, because I'm not really on their list, I might have gone to just to see all those guys talk, you know, hear Manesh say what Manesh want to say.
1: Well, next year, next hopefully. year, hopefully,
0: yeah, I might, I might go. I'm planning
1: to be able to go next year, so hopefully. You'll
0: go with me. Oh man, we'll I would I would love to go with you. That would that would get me there for sure. <laughs> if if only Warren and and Charlie will come back for one more. Come on, just one more. That's Can right. you believe well, how how sharp they are? Are they taking Adderall or something? I mean, is there is there? Some I hope sort they're of-
1: taking anything they want to. <laughs> I could care less. Right. Take it all, guys. Like get your coke dealer, do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Have a great life. I mean, sharp as be happy. (laughs) Uh, Very,
0: very impressive. You know how they were, how they were handling things, and I think I've seen them worse actually. And they
1: did. I think so too. I think so too. I feel like so. Just full disclosure from me. So I had a bad weekend, unfortunately, of not feeling well and brain fog, and I couldn't watch the live feed and I couldn't watch it on Sunday. So I started watching it. We're recording this now on Monday and I started watching it this morning. So I'm only about two and a half hours into it, which is kind of a bummer because I really wanted to be able to see the whole thing and get like a, a good sense of what was going on overall. But what we decided to do is just talk about it today of the parts that I've seen and you've seen the whole thing. And then we'll probably finish up next week. But so from what I saw, which was the beginning. You know, what was that like the first third ish? Um, Yeah, they just I felt like the the last few years, there's been this kind of cloud hanging over. And to your point, like a little bit of the health bit too, like they both seemed a bit tired and slower in the last few years. Mm -hmm. And this and they were talking a lot about the problems and they were warning a lot of people about the economy in their in, in Buffett's introduction the last couple of years and this year they did not do that they didn't have any warnings they didn't have any rah-rah everybody hang in there it's going to be okay and they both looked a lot perkier to me what did you think
0: i thought the same exact thing and i don't know why it's like i I don't know. They've got better drugs going or something, or they finally got a rest, or they... I have no idea. They were both on, and it was terrific. And for that reason, I I wish I was there, honestly. I wish I was there to see them. But I've been in that Coliseum, and if you don't have, like, a front row seat, those guys are little tiny specks up on a stage, man. They're a long way away. So in a way, watching them on the video feed is a a better view of what's going on. You really... You really feel more connected to them than you do in the arena. At least
1: I think watching them on the video feed is essentially, <laughs> there might be people who disagree with this, but for me, it's kind of the same as watching it in the arena because, like you said, you can't see them really because they're just these tiny specks. So you just watch it on the giant screen. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's just like watching it on the screen at home. Right. Except, I mean, the reason everybody goes, you know, is not because it's such an amazing experience to sit in a gigantic basketball hall and listen to guys talk for six hours it's because of everything going on around it you know all the people that are there and the Berkshire companies and the whole convention center that they have downstairs with all the products and um and the various booths where you can find out what's going on and then just all the like the people, you know, the parties, the gatherings, the value acts, the friends that you see once a year at Berkshire. Like, yeah, that's the really special. So the, the book signings, obviously, because I hope next year you guys will all come to the book signing over at the business school, which I love to do. Doing you know,
0: do you know that your time. book invested is number 66 in all women's business books in Amazon right now? As of I yesterday. did not know that. That's, that's killing it. Way, to, Way go. to go!
1: Everybody buying the book,
0: and that came up because somewhere along the line, Warren was talking about the Intelligent Investor and how Graham basically wrote the book about mm-hmm. investing, and that it's still in the top three hundred of all books on mm-hmm. Amazon of all books. So I went and nosed in Amazon just to see what where it was, right? Just really curious.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And
0: it's like number three of all books on Amazon right now. It's like,
1: oh, well, because everybody went and bought it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because of the meeting. And uh, which is extraordinary if you think about it. And it makes me want to read the book again. So I think that should be our homework for the next couple of weeks. Everybody go get Mm -hmm. Intelligent Investor and read it. Um, It is,
1: you know, we have talked about having the Invested Podcast book club, and we've had people read stuff before and then had the authors come on and stuff but i think this could be another
0: if we could get ben graham Let's on do here. it it would be huge it would oh be,
1: that that would be life changing we should <laughs>
0: we should try we should get a ouija board and see if we can <laughs> we can ask ben some questions uh, i we'll we'll get around to that in this in this or the next podcast we'll get around to talking about um, you know, Graham's way of investing versus Buffett and Munger. But
1: but uh, let's talk about that quick, about The Intelligent Investor quickly, because it, to be real, there's no way I can go and read that book in the next week or in the next three weeks, like, to be completely real. I because, just can't do it. Because? Because of my brain not operating properly. I thought it was just
0: because it's not that easy of a book, actually. Well, that
1: was my next statement, is like, that's true of any book with me, but that book in particular is hard to read it's not a page turner no um and that's all I can really say about it like I appreciate it a lot that was a hard read for me
0: um a long time ago I was was studying philosophy I just was reminded this when you said it's hard and um there's a philosopher back at the turn of the 20th century named Wittgenstein who for his PhD thesis under Bertrand Russell if I have the history right um, studying under Bertrand Russell, brilliant philosopher, wrote a thesis called the Tratatus. and Bertrand Russell wrote the intro to it, mm-hmm. as here's what it's all about. And it is the densest damn book I've ever read. It's like every sentence is a deep philosophical statement that depends on the previous one, if it's indented mm-hmm. properly, and it's all mm-hmm. in outline form. It's it's really, really dense. And, um, and at, after Bertrand Russell passed away, Wittgenstein said that Bertrand Russell didn't really get it; <laughs> that the intro wasn't right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hard books can be harder than we can do sometimes, and that's a little bit like we've written why we've written rule number one and payback time and oh, definitely. In, is because definitely. <laughs> we got to make it accessible to people like us, not necessarily to people like Warren Buffett, you know. So,
1: well, but I don't want to sell us and us being like all of our listeners as well. Like we can read it. Everybody listening can read that book and understand it. It's just slow. That's all. Well, it's not not that far
0: off of Charlie Munger at the very beginning of our podcast. Seven years ago, we we played Charlie all the time saying that there are these four things. Right. You've got to understand the business, it's got to have a durable competitive advantage, you got to have good management, and you got to have a, a margin of safety. It's simple. What are they going to do the rest of the semester if that's what they were teaching in business school? It's that yeah. simple. And we've been unpacking that thing for seven years.
1: Well, so, and if it's that simple, why do you have to have a great book called The Intelligent Investor, which <laughs> describes every little detail of what you're supposed to do? Well You said. shouldn't need that book, but no. <laughs> They love the book. They want everyone to read it. Right. So, well said. you know, well there's said. various levels to this thing. So what I suggest about The Intelligent Investor uh, is a great sort of, idea. You could
0: sort of mic drop on that one. It'd be like, oh, it's so there, <laughs> you know? All right, sorry, go ahead. Unfortunately, the, the moment has passed, but oh. thank you.
1: Oh, sorry. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about what's going on in no, the No, I was going to say we
1: do like a chapter of The Intelligent Investor. That's doable. And there are a couple chapters that are really like the crux of that book. Yeah, I would actually really like to go back through it like that. That would be really a good thing, I think. I think so, too. It's kind of like when I went and did my Buffett intensive, when I went back and read all of his letters, which was a huge project, but really um, helped me sort of figure out, like, which ones I would come back to. And it's kind of the same with that book. It's like you can go through it and then think, like, okay, I've got the overall now – now what's what are the points I'm gonna read like once a year? And I think there there are a couple chapters that are are those ones.
0: All right, well I we should do that. But meanwhile we should get back to the Buffett meeting.
1: Correct. Okay. Um well so yeah, so my first point was basically what we started with, which was um that they didn't give us a lecture this time. Like no. nothing. No, no go America, no everybody, like the stock market has been around a long time and it'll continue no you know like stock market people are short-termers and terrible like no graphs no chart nothing no slideshow i mean they showed the quarterly report but like i couldn't believe it they've been doing this sort of rah-rah thing for so long so something has really shifted and in a weird paradoxical way which i feel like is kind of like probably not how you're supposed to be i don't know it's not that there are That they're doing well off of people doing badly, but I think they see that there are opportunities for Berkshire for people to buy equities and uh, and that finally the stuff they've been talking about. um, About the great prosperity, not going on forever is starting to happen. And I think it makes them feel, okay, this is all just me totally guessing, but I think it m- makes them feel like, oh, okay, like things are kind of getting to where they're supposed to be again. It's not this totally case of first impression, sui generis market that we've never seen before. Sui generis? First impression, like uh, of its own.
0: Is that like it's a legal a, term?
1: It's a legal term, yeah. Sui. Like S-O-O-E-Y? S-U-I, Latin, yeah.
0: Sui generis.
1: Yeah, yes. Okay.
0: Okay, but I don't think that they think that things are where they are supposed to be. Ooh, tell me. I think they think things are going there, and they're getting there really pretty, pretty soon now. And they started off with the first question, took them right to that, about like, hey, what's going on in the United States with office space, real estate, commercial real estate. Are we worried about that? And they they jumped right on it. Basically, there's going to be consequences. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, there are going to be consequences. When you lend money out long term at 2%, um, people are going to borrow money and do things that are really speculative. And there will be consequences. And I think that was the first warning shot of the whole meeting right there that mm -hmm, things are different, there's going to be consequences. We're starting to see those consequences now. And Mm -hmm. I think Buffett and Munger are having more fun than they've had in quite a while.
1: I think that's it. That's what I'm (laughs) trying to get at. Yes, that's the vibe I got as well. It was like renewed vigor, fun. We can sink our teeth into something.
0: Yeah, we're starting to see it. Here it comes. People are starting to talk to us now. About getting mm. them out of their, you know, ridiculously leveraged positions. Berkshire starting to see some opportunities, and uh, and the the second question I think took us the next step in, which is that somebody said, with all the rapid changes in technology, and you know, are they are we going to have new principles of investing? I think, leaning on the idea that it's going to be shorter term. We can't really go long term because businesses are wiped out by technology quicker these days. And Munger goes, yeah, that's about right. Get used to making less. <laughs> and it's like Warren immediately said, Charlie's been saying that since I met him. All right. So oh, yeah. don't He's take so that.
1: He <laughs> so utterly disagreed. He jumped in right away. Immediately.
0: Don't you take don't usually that to see the with bank.
1: Them. He usually lets Charlie talk until he fully stops yeah
0: no he climbed on that (laughs) one and he wanted to correct everything around berkshire saying yeah we're making a little less now because we're so big um we have 500 billion dollars to manage you know but he but warren is going like i think there's plenty of opportunities and basically what he was saying is opportunity And i thought this was brilliant i've never heard him say it quite like this opportunity comes from other people doing dumb things i wrote that down too Right. We've heard about fear versus greed for many, many years. But he he very rarely talks about people doing dumb things because that's pretty critical of people. And they're getting critical, both of them, of what has happened, who are doing things. Warren was publicly criticizing the president of the United States without naming him a couple of weeks ago. And I have never heard him do that basically saying, I mean, Joe Biden. In a Biden,
1: different uh, interview? I, I missed that
0: one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was in an interview um, and basically he's talking about people who do things because they don't understand, right? They don't understand mm-hmm. what they're doing mm-hmm. or they're so politically driven, they don't care what the results are if they can get more power. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking very specifically about Joe Biden, uh, not not by name, but that the the country is proposing that we eliminate or we tax, radically tax buybacks. Um, Biden wants to move it to a 4.5% tax every Mm. time you buy back your stock. It's already a 1% tax. They passed that law back in September um, Mm. before the, the new Congress came in. And so Buffett was very critical. He just basically saying it's idiotic. And and you're you're doing you're going to have unintended consequences from this that you shouldn't have. So basically, he's starting to really criticize people. And he's at that point in his life where it's like, why pull punches? Right.
1: Maybe. Or Um, the stuff that's going on is important enough that he's willing to come out and talk about it. And I think that's
0: right. I think he's saying that there there's been a very large increase in the number of people doing really dumb things because of easy money. He said, like years ago, you couldn't do dumb things because you couldn't get the money to do dumb things with. Yeah. But it's, it's not like people are smarter today or any less smart than they are. And there's people are people. But investing itself, the idea of investing, what we teach, you and I teach, and what we've written about, and what B- Buffett and Munger have been teaching for, for 60 years, the idea of real investing has gone away, it's disappeared. Um, because the big money is selling people other kinds of ideas, you know, about short-term trading, about p- uh, private equity. Um, and it's just, you know, if he said, it, basically, if you're running small amounts of money, you know, d- different than Berkshire, you're going to have a lot of opportunities. You're going to have mm-hmm. really, really different opportunities. Um, and Munger jumped back in and said, hey, it's really a radically different world. Um, The opportunities, yes, they will be greater, and there will be some unpleasant episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Unpleasant episodes.
1: I really loved that Buffett immediately said in that question answer um, that new things coming along do not take opportunities. And I just, I wrote that down, and I appreciated it because so often, this is what we hear. Oh, you know. AI coming is going to take opportunities from investors or new technology or globalization or lack of globalization. It's all going to be bad somehow. We're going to change and that's going to mean that we'll have less investing opportunities. And in his life, that has never happened. And I don't see it happening going forward in my lifetime. I think as investors, we just look for great businesses the way you taught me. Yep. And those are going to continue and they're going to build on those technologies and they're going to build on the globalization or the anti-globalization or whatever the situation is. Um, and there will be opportunities. So I really appreciated that he said that. And then the other thing that I wrote down from there is that money is much more available now to support the dumb things. Mm -hmm. And he says, um, He said, investing has disappeared in this market. The money is in selling other people ideas. It isn't in outperforming. Yeah. And that is something I am going to put on my wall and on my investing checklist. Is this company selling ideas? Oh, great thought.
0: Yes. Great. Thought. Because,
1: oh my God, the moment he said it, I was like that encapsulates and it's hard to describe so many of these companies that are doing exciting things, but are not necessarily accomplishing them Yeah, in a profitable, sustainable. Modi way, (laughs) and and that's not a bad thing. Always, like ideas are super important, and we need them, and they're what move us along. We need those companies. I believe I am a huge supporter of new, exciting companies that may not be profitable right away, but that's not where the long-term investors are looking. And
0: yeah, that's not investing.
1: That's not investing. It's. It's, it's venture capital. It's venture
0: capital. It's it's <laughs> speculation. It's it's really fun, and and we should all do it with maybe a little part of our portfolio, as we've discussed. I mean, and,
1: I do think vent, we've had this debate a lot. I do right. think venture capitalists are real investors, and they're very good at choose. If they're good, they're very good at choosing, the right horse to bet on, but it's still a bet, and they would never say anything different than that because things happen.
0: That's good. Then um, If it's a bet, it's not investing.
1: I still think it's investing. No, don't go there. Yeah, no, we're not gonna
0: get into it again. Seven years it. down the tubes.
1: We had a good debate about it. Let's all right. Let we'll it leave it lie. alone. We'll leave it alone. But but I I really appreciated hearing that if a company is selling ideas and not focused on outperforming, then that is a company I need to be wary of.
0: That's very good. Very, very good thought. Um and I thought it was great that Buffett Finished that whole idea by saying that if he was he he would love to be born today um and start with not much and turn it into a lot and and he, yeah. he and, and munger goes i'd rather keep mine yeah <laughs> but that's a really cool thing is sometimes we think we've missed the boat that and for years uh, charlie and warren have both said it's getting harder but i think right now it's about to get a lot easier and i think you guys should be part of the reason
1: they say it's getting harder is just that they've taught so many people what to do like they used to have intellectual property that was their method of investing you know and they basically shared it out for free to everybody yeah and the result of that is that a lot of people are looking for the kinds of companies they're looking for however there are not necessarily executing it properly. They're still sticking on a short-termer kind of attitude and plan. And so it's in and out.
0: almost impossible yeah. for anybody that's got a bunch of money raised from other people to do to not think about the short term, because those people can take their money away. And when they yeah. do, you're out of business. So it's yep. that it's a, it's a kind of irony um and a bit of an investor a professional investor paradox is if you you can show a really great track record because you invested the way we teach you which will result in a really great track record and then you go pro and raise money around that track record the irony and the paradox is that you can't do that anymore your investors won't let you if you're not very careful so yeah 100 um on that and and i think I, i think Actually, what I want you guys to all remember is that Warren would love to be born today, and you're already born today, and (laughs) you're already starting with a little and not much. So you're right where he would (laughs) love to be.
1: That's right.
0: So take heart. We're
1: not saddled with billions.
0: Right. We're not saddled with billions. Amen.
1: Amen to that. I'd rather be like Charlie and keep my billions. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, as we close here, I have to throw in the question about um, whether or not they'd ever made a decision, an investing decision emotionally, because I was like, oh, I need to know the answer to this one. And he was like, absolutely not. I've never made an emotional decision. And then Charlie was like, of course not. And they were both like, no way. (laughs) And I was like, come on, guys. You don't believe
0: him? What is that? Is that looking through your colored glasses at their world?
1: It's, I believe that they believe they've never made an emotional decision, but the way they, less Charlie, the way Warren Buffett talks about investing is, I feel like they think emotional means something pejorative, means something negative, but it doesn't. The way Warren Buffett talks about choosing companies that are like like the ones that he buys the entire company, let's say like the family businesses that he's bought, he always talks about the family that has been running it or the person that has been found that founded it and has been running it. He talks about, you know, the woman who started the Nebraska Furniture Mart, right? Like she's like his emblem of incredible management. these
0: These are certainly a reason why they're buying the company. Certainly.
1: Yeah, and those are non-controllable, non-quantitative people. (laughs) Well,
0: I think if you think that emotional is the equivalent of irrational, that is, it's the opposite of rational. You have rational and you have emotional and an emotional decision is one which is not just to be clear, I don't
1: I don't think that. But well, I think they probably think that. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking that that might be a definition that they, yeah. they would be fairly comfortable with, that an emotional decision is one which by definition is not rational. Um, and you're saying that there is subjective criteria um, that is impossible to be objective about. These are not numbers, these people who run these businesses.
1: Thank they, you. Yes, that are, is what I'm getting
0: at. They are, you know, you have to have a... Uh, a sense of whether or not they're going to stick with you and whether or not they're going to be honest yeah. and whether or not all this is there. Yeah. Um, and Or I think how you're... many
1: times have you heard a story from Buffett where he said something like, I met with Joe Smith on a Friday and he told me about his business and I didn't look at any of the statements, but I believed that what he was telling me was true and I bought the business on Monday and indeed everything he told me was correct and we're super excited to own this business forever. Okay, that's not irrational. But that is not unemotional. <laughs> that is about belief. That's about trust. That's about a feeling that he got from that person. That's about experience in meeting business owners and learning to who to have confidence in and who not to. To me, that's so... I think what I'm saying is subjectivity is not gone but it has nothing for me to do with rationality or irrationality. I think it's, or maybe it does. I think it's very rational to behave that way.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I think everything you said, Buffett would agree with, um, which Great. means we're really good. just talking a, a term, a semantic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. very good. I'm glad I clarified that for myself.
0: Well, it's really good to know that um, out of six hours of questions, we got through number one.
1: Right, I know. <laughs> We'll go faster next time. Yes, we will, <laughs>
0: and we're gonna we're gonna cherry pick. There, there was a lot of questions yes. that I don't really care about, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But those two were two of my favorite. actually. Yeah, me so. too. Started off okay. really good. All right. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Okay. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.